Welcome to Brand on Purpose, the podcast dedicated to uncovering the untold stories behind the most impactful purpose-driven companies, human beings, and organizations. I'm your host, Aaron Quitkin. After so much time indoors over the past year due to lockdowns and social distancing measures, protecting our skin is more important than ever. But for people of color, it's more of a challenge than some might expect and rooted in lots of misconceptions. That's where today's guest, Unsun Cosmetics founder and CEO, Katanya Bro, comes in. Frustrated by the lack of options within the world of clean sunscreen products for women of color, Katanya determined to make inclusive SPF products founded Unsun in 2016 to provide clean, no residue options that are good for both the person using it and of course for the environment. With a secondary focus on educating people of color on the hazards of skin damage, including skin cancer, Unsun has become a skincare staple for many, winning Allura's Best of Beauty Award in 2019. Katanya, welcome to Brand on Purpose. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you. I've seen the product. I never knew the background or the backstory, and I think it's fascinating, so we're just going to start there. And I want to start by actually sharing a tweet, a simple question, but a very important question, all the way back from 2016. So it's like six years ago. And the tweet goes like this, and this is from you. Can someone make brown sunscreen, please? Must I look like a clown to protect my skin? And then hashtag black folk burn too. And then shortly after that, if I get this right, you called a friend who's in the hair care business and asked if you could meet the folks at their lab. And that's how the whole thing started. And I might add that before that, you ran your own construction company, a very successful construction company for like 20 years, I believe in New Orleans, Louisiana. So let's just start there. Yes. Wow. That sounds a little all over the place, doesn't it? So yes, I was in the construction business for 20 years, played a big role in rebuilding the city after Hurricane Katrina, did home elevations, custom building. It was a lot. And I became really overwhelmed by the business, decided to move back home to Los Angeles and wasn't sure what I was going to do. Most certainly had no idea that I'd end up in the cosmetics business, but here I am. And how that happened was I started getting these little moles on my face in New Orleans in my late 30s, little moles that I always assumed were genetic because all of the older women in my family have them. However, in my late 30s, these moles, it was way too soon. The dermatologist told me at that time, hey, honey, this is not genetic. This is sun damage. And I was floored. We went to the beach. We, you know, in my generation, we lived outside. We didn't have video games and cell phones. And we never wore sunscreen. No one in my community did. We just didn't believe that it was for us. We thought you had to have white skin to suffer the effects of sun damage. So this came as quite a surprise. Needless to say, I'm off to Walgreens. I literally left the dermatologist's office, go to Walgreens, get whatever's on their shelf. And immediately I discovered it began to irritate my eyes. My eyes would water, everything. It was just very irritating. I dealt with it because I didn't know that there was a mineral. I didn't know there was an alternative. I switched to cloud, but because more than 78% of sunscreens on the market are chemical-based, they all irritated me. By the time I discovered mineral-based sunscreens, it was a while after, but I loved it. It didn't irritate my skin. However, it was thick and chalky and white. It would get in my hairline, my eyebrows. It would leave me looking like a ghost. And it was just a very frustrating process. So fast forward, moving back home, I decided to meet with that chemist and 
create something at that time just for myself. But because it worked so well on both my sisters and my cousins who, as is typical in large Black families, skin tones vary from lighter to darker and it worked beautifully on everyone. And it was then or shortly after I decided, hmm, maybe I can build a business around this because I didn't know that I needed sunscreen. And so a part of that business could be making other women of color or people of color aware that they too needed sunscreen. And Unsun was born. Did you find early on it was mostly women who were your target audience? And then I'm assuming it expanded or is it still largely women? You know, it's still largely women. We do have lots of men, but here's the problem because zinc and titanium are just very white, naturally minerals from the earth. We have to tint them in order for them to blend. And so most men view this as makeup because of the coloring. So they're turned off by that. But however, I'm starting to see a bit more of a trend with more men just understanding that it may look that way, but it really just does disappear in your skin and they're starting to buy it more. But our demographic is most certainly mostly women. Just out of curiosity, the dermatologist that you went to, and I don't know if you still go to the same dermatologist, were they black? No, she was white. Okay. Because I also think that there's another issue which you can't address, but I think needs to be addressed over time, which is my guess is that the majority of dermatologists, listen, I say this as a son, my dad, my late father, he passed in 2008, he was a dermatopathologist. And actually growing up, he never wore SPF anything, which I always thought was strange, even though he knew that, and I've had skin cancer twice in my life. I've had basal cell and melanoma. Oh, wow. And I'm outside all the time and I'm running and I get the same thing burning in my eyes and all that stuff. But I'm just curious because I wouldn't say it's a problem, but I think it's part of the challenge, which is you also have a lot of white dermatologists who also, quite frankly, are focused more on cosmetic procedures. And I understand that. That's a huge business. Um, And that's in part the reason why people wear SPF. But there's also the real danger of skin cancer. And skin cancer does not discriminate, right? It most certainly does not. And here's the thing. While our white counterparts may get it more often, black or people of color tend to die more. The mortality rate is higher. And here's why. If I don't think that I need sun protection, if I see a crazy looking mole somewhere, I'm less inclined to think, oh, skin cancer. I'm more inclined to think, oh, that's weird looking. Let me just give it some time to see if it goes away. Oh, I'm getting one of those early moles early. Oh, that's creepy looking. So by the time someone maybe says to me, you should get that checked out, or if it lingers too long and I get it checked out, quite often, unfortunately for us, it's too late. That's why it's so important for us to have skin cancer on our radar at all times, because the sun really does not discriminate. Yeah. And there's less protection between the sun and us than ever before because of the ozone and ozone depletion. Exactly. I say that all the time. Exactly. So how hard was it? You come up with the formula and obviously, and I'm sure you tinkered with it to this day, you're making it better and better and you're coming up with new formulations and whatnot. And it's a lot of testing and trialing. And and like you said, you're probably doing it with your friends and family at first. Then you realize, hmm, maybe I can make a business of this. How hard was the learning curve and understanding the consumer packaged goods business, but also overcoming and educating yourself on what you need to do to get FDA approvals and whatnot? (laughs) I tell you a story. So I went to that one guy, the chemist at this lab, and we came up with this beautiful formulation. And then I decided 
that I would build a business around this. So I'm excited now. I'm saying, okay, we're going to look at packaging. We're just going to get this thing going. I go to a packaging manufacturer and one of the questions that came up was testing. And I said, testing? Okay, sure. But we don't have it now, but we can get it done. So I go back to the lab and I said, hey, we have to get this test and these tests done for, and he says, oh, I'm sorry, I can't do that. Now I've been working with him at this point for months. And I said, what do you mean you can't do it? Your lab and your chemist? And he says, well, but I'm not FDA certified. Ah, so that was the first issue of being on such a huge learning curve. So now I have to get into it and find an FDA certified lab and hire a SPF consultant to really walk me through the process because cosmetics don't have to go through these processes, but because sunscreen is considered an OTC, it's very heavily regulated. So yes, the learning curve was, it was interesting. Right. Because if I made say a lip balm, but I don't have any SPF claims or some sort of skin cream or whatever, I don't have to go through those same hurdles, right? No, not at all. You can just go right to market. So you decided, let's take the hardest route. Let's take the biggest challenge, right? (laughs) Of course. (laughs) That's my life story, I suppose. I mean, I was a woman in the construction business, very competitive, huge learning curve. I had no plans to do that. So I don't know. What is is this life I've chosen? (laughs) But it's great. I bet you have some crazy, crazy, not PG rated stories from the construction business. Yes, it was very interesting. (laughs) It was very interesting. Were you residential or, or commercial or both? Both. We started commercial. I started out as a commercial historical restoration company and then eventually got our contractor's license and started building residential homes. So now that you're five, six years into this venture, it's not even a venture, it's a real company now. It is, yeah. If you could do things differently now, or if you knew then what you know now, is there anything that you would have done differently? I would have hired slower and fired faster. That's because your team can make or break you and your team can make things easier or make them more difficult. But because we, as most startups, we didn't start off with a whole lot of money. So we were just looking for help. But I think that that's been one of the most difficult things for me in those early years is just not hiring the right people. Well, it's hard because you don't have that network yet either. Like if I said to you, I'd like to start a construction business tomorrow, you'd be like, oh, here are 40 people you need to talk to. And here are all the things you need. Here's a project management software, all that stuff. But this is all new for you. How long were you actually making product at your house? We can't. I never made product at my house. Okay. We have a lab. Our lab is here in California in San Clemente. So that's another thing. <laughs> you know, you don't have the luxury of a lot of startups are able to go in their garage and get things going. We never had that luxury. So, but I did have a home office for a while. But no, we were never able to do any of the actual products here. So the capital obviously is higher from the start because you need equipment and you need real estate and space that has to then also meet all sorts of other kind of federal as well as, you know, OSHA, whatever requirements, right? And then what was your first breakthrough moment where you're like, okay, I think we have a shot. Was it a big customer? Were you selling online first? Like what what was that moment where you're like, wow, I think this is it, you know? It was getting our first big buyer. 
And for us, we've been very fortunate in that we've never hired a marketing firm or we just brought on a PR firm recently within literally the last six weeks. And we never did. They have all these different programs where you can reach out to buyers. We didn't do any of that. We've been fortunate in that all of our buyers have found us. Nordstrom, all of the clean beauty spaces, Credo, Derm Store, Folane, Target. I mean, everyone reached out to us. So we've been very fortunate in that regard. But when the first one came, which was Derm Store, literally three or four months after we launched, Derm Store came and asked to be our partner. And Credo came not far after that. And things just really started to fall in place. And it was scary and exhilarating at the same time. So, but it doesn't just happen, right? I mean, how did they find you if you had, let's say, minimal marketing or let's say bootstrap type marketing, right? And zero PR. What happened? How did they find you? I think Unsun is an anomaly in a lot of ways. And I was fortunate because in the first year, I got a lot of free press, not because of Unsun and not because of me, but because of my son. So it was all about. Frank Ocean's mom made a sunscreen for black people. And it was Frank Ocean this, Frank Ocean that. And I was, and I was really grateful. But the most exciting thing for me, and I told my son when the first article came out and didn't mention him, it was just about Unsun. We're not a brand that's typical because we had the celebrity of my son to really help push us out there. And so we were getting all of that free press very early on. So it was easy for these big companies to find us. It should be noted, and anybody listening to the show, he is an exceptionally gifted singer, songwriter, creative force. And I'm not going to lie, I told my 16-year-old daughter that I was chatting with you, and she's like, oh my God. Um, And I know his audience is bigger than that, but I think it's amazing. And isn't it though beautiful? My eldest son, I was trying to help him network. He's in university. And when our children actually network for us, whether it's intentional or unintentional or implicit or explicit. There's a beauty to that as well, right? I mean, that's really kind of nice. It is. It's very nice. No, I agree. I agree. Yeah, (laughs) it is. He doesn't do much more, but... (laughs) Does he use the product? I hope he uses the product. He absolutely uses the product. He keeps it in his office for his staff and his assistant orders a bunch at a time for him. So no, he definitely has beautiful skin. So, yeah. In the very beginning of starting a company, you're everything. You're the CEO, you're the founder, you're the technologist, you're the marketer. I feel like you have a huge kind of creative force in you. I imagine that was helpful, whether you recognize it or not, even right down to things like packaging. What is it that I want it to look like when you're walking? Because you have to stand out in the aisle. That's right. Yes, yes. Yeah, you're absolutely, you wear all of the hats, all of the hats. And we have to have climate controlled warehousing and storage because it's SPF. So if you have to run to the warehouse or the storage to get more, I mean, you're wearing that hat, you're back and forth in those early days. But you know, it does really force you to learn quickly, as opposed to having other people do all of those tasks for you. I'm grateful for those early days because I was literally just dropped into the bucket and I had to figure these things out. And granted, I did have a consultant who was there for all the technical things who really helped to guide me with those things. But the day-to-day, it was 
it was just me or, you know, a niece or someone. And in that early, that first year, I was doing everything. You look back and following the murder of George Floyd, there had been not just the resurgence of the BLM movement, but also a huge push for people to not only fund, but also buy products from Black-owned businesses. Just your own experience as a social impact entrepreneur, as a person of color who founded a business, what advice do you have for people who are just starting out, especially women, Black women starting businesses? I'm sure that you had some hurdles and everybody has their own types of hurdles, whether it's funding and whatnot. How have you been feeling and have you participated in helping others in the same way that to share with them your journey and what you've learned along the way? It's a big question, I know. It's a little existential, but it's also very real. I mean, I was on Twitter. I hate my Twitter, but I have to be on it because reporters are on it. And I noticed that Google has search for black owned businesses near me. They just started it. I'm like, that's awesome. That's genius. And so it just made me think of that. And then I'm talking to you and I just curious how you're feeling about all that. Well, it's interesting. So prior to that, right after COVID, we're really nervous because our sales were just at a standstill. The stores were closed. So the buyers weren't purchasing anything. And then all the protests happened and we sold out twice. And it became, we were getting emails from all these stores, many that we were hoping to be in that just never reached out to us. And um, just kind of really exploded. And I was really grateful and I am really grateful. And I just really hope that it's not trendy and it's something that will continue to go on to support. Because look, Black businesses are no different than any other businesses. We just want opportunity. And if you give us the opportunity, then we can take the ball from there to make sure that we continue to innovate, continue to give quality products and service and so on. That's how I feel about that and hope that it's just something that continues and that we continue to get opportunities. So what I like to tell people, women, whomever, who think that they might want to go out on their own, entrepreneurship is often glamorized. They think, oh my God, you know, you'll have some kids. What do you want to do when you grow up? I want to be an entrepreneur. And, <laughs> and I hear that a lot. And I just really have to reiterate that we really can do whatever we want if we plan. So you can't just quit your job and say you want to open a business because it's going to be a while, quite likely, before you're able to even pay yourself. You're going to be so busy paying everyone else. And it's important to realize that, plan for it, put money aside, ask family or friends if they want to invest. Try to find something that you're passionate about that makes a difference because I'm noticing that very happily that the world is changing. Young people are very concerned about our climate, which is one of the main reasons that we've just recently switched to all sustainable packaging. People are reading labels. They want clean products. And I think that it's important for ourselves, for feeling good about what we do and what we put in the world, but it's also important for the world that whatever we do on an entrepreneurship level, that it matters. It matters to someone. Like you said earlier, if it matters to one person, then you sleep a little bit better that night and and it continues to go matters to a million people, then you sleep like, you know, so it's important that you plan and plan conscientiously about how you do it and how it affects the world. And that's just kind of what I like to say, because that's so important to me. 
I think that's fair. And it's so easy to be skeptical and it's so easy. There's a lot of haters and people who like to poke at things in the world. And I always say, well, it's a lot harder to be in the ring than outside the ring. And even if you get knocked out in the ring, at least I had a shot to get knocked out. I've started a couple businesses. And I remember when I started my agency years ago, I basically took another mortgage on my house. And then, and then my fallback was, well, I can always get a job, right? But there's, I think, a difference between people who just want a job. I mean, you've been an entrepreneur your whole life. You had your own construction business. So you know what the risks are. You also know what the rewards were. But you also know that being an entrepreneur and running anything that is your own in particular requires 24-7. I'm sure you still wake up in the middle of the night, either with an idea or a concern, and you log it somewhere, and then you got to follow up on it, right? That's right. Yeah, I put notes in my phone. It's like, okay, wait, oh, okay, I need to email that person. Oh, shoot, I forgot about that. Oh, sure, definitely. How do you find solace and peace? And how do you wind down? Is it through food? Is it through exercise? Alcohol's good. We always like good alcohol recommendations on this show, especially tequila. I'm just kind of curious because I think it's very important that people also take care of themselves. Self-care, self-compassion is important. Yeah. Well, <laughs> my life is very different than how it used to be. I've always been one about self-care, but at this point, it's just different. Every day before I even look at my phone or do anything, I'll do my morning meditation. And so I do that. I do Reiki sessions if I'm feeling off. I get regular massages. I have two big dogs, one 70 pounder and one 20 pounder. And I'll just take them out in the air on a hike or a walk. It's so important to me to be able to stay balanced because inflammation is real and stress causes inflammation and entrepreneurship is one of the most stressful things you can do. So I believe in self-care. I think that we all should. I've tried meditating. I meditate in my own way. I'm a big swimmer and I'm a runner as well. And there's a rhythm to both those things, especially in the water. It's interesting because I'm not that person who has like the headphones, the waterproof headphones. I can't do that. But no one can bother you when you're in the water. You have no phone, you have no devices. It's just you, and even if it is a pool or open water, it's rhythmic, you know? And you can say things to yourself. I know I sound like, I'm sure people are like, wow, I knew he was crazy. You know, he's like, <laughs> we all can benefit from self-affirmation and saying phrases over and over to help. And you can do that and not be bothered. I'm glad you mentioned that. And of course, the dogs. I've got two dogs of a 75-pounder who used to be 70 pounds. He's got COVID weight. He wears it well, though. I think animals and dogs in particular, I haven't had any cat owner hate mail yet, but I love dogs. <laughs> I think they are just very special. Very, very special. So do I. Yeah, they are indeed. They're my buddies. One more question just around partnerships and how important partnerships are. And if my research is correct, you did a partnership, I think it was the summer with Fuck Cancer. That's right. Again, it goes back to what we said earlier about dispelling some of the myths that people of color can't get skin cancer, but they absolutely can. Absolutely. How did that partnership come about? Do you have any other partnerships in the works with other organizations as well? Yeah, so we do. We do a lot of back and forth with most of the cancer organizations, but that one was really fun because they're a very young organization. And I don't mean in terms of the amount of time they've been here, but their staff, they're young and hip and edgy. And, and that's really cool because a lot of the others that we work with are more traditional. I don't think that that was our demographic necessarily are the really young, hip, edgy kids. So it was fun to do that. <laughs> it 
was really fun to do that. And I think it's important prior to COVID year, I, I did a lot of speaking engagements and panels, and I just really want to talk about our need for sun protection outside of the vanity aspect of it, outside of the moles and the premature wrinkling and the hyperpigmentation, all of that. I have to add the fact that our mortality rates are so much higher if we get skin cancer. So it's important to get that out there as well. And I do whatever I can. And hopefully once we get beyond COVID, we can start that back up again. And are you currently a category of one? Do you actually have real true competitors? Not really. There's one other black owned skincare company out there, but they're chemical based and we're cool. Like I see her sometimes and we're friendly and we support each other, but we're different. So I don't know if any that are black owned that really focus on protecting black skin. And I have to say, we are also inclusive. Being subject to exclusivity for so long, we didn't want to participate in that and we didn't want to perpetuate that. So of course, the brand was started because I needed sun protection, but we also have shades that are specifically for fair skin. And we really do cover all the skin tones. And so I think it's just important to be that way. So I don't know of another one yet, but just a matter of time. (laughs) No, I think it's cool. It's also hard to start a new category, but anything worth doing is hard, is difficult. Do you ever foresee yourself taking some of that magic and the ingredients, all natural ingredients and what you've crafted and broadening the category to people who are not people of color, who do not have different shades and whatnot? Or do you want to basically just specifically stick to people of color? Oh, no, 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 no. That's what I meant by inclusivity. Our fair, our light medium is for redheads or just like very neutral, very fair skin tones. We just launched two new highlighters with SPF. I have a golden angel for my fair skin tones and a bronze goddess for my brown girls. So no, we we play the game of inclusivity because- I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah, that has to change. So we can't say anything about anybody else if we do the same thing. So no, we consider everybody when we're figuring out what we're going to do next. Well, good, because I need something better for my scalp, as you can see, because we can see each other in our virtual studio. But <laughs> right. This is my biggest problem up here, especially when I'm running. And Yes, it is. I had a friend who's bald. He's about my complexion who lives in Milwaukee. And he went on vacation with his wife and sent me the pictures of his poor bald head just peeling like crazy from. And I was so upset with him. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, yeah. So yeah, you definitely need the head is like, getting the full force of the sun. Yep. You get scorched. Yep. I know it. I know it all too well. (laughs) Catania is so great having you on the show. You're an inspiration for so many people. I'm going to go out and get some unsun product or I'm going to order it online. I do feel braver to go out these days. It's always kind of an effort, but I'll do that. What is the best way for consumers and for our listeners to follow your progress and also to buy your product? Well, our website is www.unsuncosmetics.com. We're at Nordstrom, if you want to go in. We have a diffusion line at Target, Credo Beauty, Detox Market. We can be found all over the place, but the easiest place is probably our website. And I love the name, by the way. If I didn't say it earlier, I'm going to say it now. It's an awesome name. Thank you. Thank you so much. (laughs) 
Thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And I wish you all the best. And you don't need luck because you got a lot of skill, but I definitely wish you all the best. And I can't wait to continue to follow your journey. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You're grateful. This has been an episode of Brand on Purpose with Aaron Quickin, the podcast dedicated to uncovering the untold stories of companies, organizations, and people who make it their mission to do well by doing good. Special thanks to our amazing production team, including Lindsay Hand, Dara Cawthron, Julie Strickland, and Nina Valdez. Learn more about our show and sponsorship opportunities at brandonpurpose.com. Learn more about our host at aaronquicken.com.